in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them cuckoo suckers like the f***ing players. Four-star recruit Aiden Sherrill has UNLV in his top eight. He's a 6'11 power forward in the class of 2024, so a couple of years away. Here's his final eight. Alabama, Arizona State, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Oklahoma, UNLV, and USC. But here's my favorite part. On3.com, talk to him, got him to, you know, give the, give the couple quotes, couple sentences about each school. I'll read what he said about UNLV. When I went on my official visit, it surprised me a lot. The environment around it, it was crazy. I toured the campus and everything, and it was beautiful. It's definitely a great program, and I could definitely see myself playing there for sure. The coaching staff is all great guys, and I have a great relationship with them. So, sounds nice, but here's the problem. Went through and read his his, uh, answer about every school, and here's what he said about Michigan State. It was such a family environment they brought me in i went on an official visit with my mom and dad they welcomed us as a family it's a great program i'm originally from michigan so it'd be great coming back home you know he doesn't have a chance no this guy's talking about michigan state as a family no chance unbelievable so he's not coming to unlv he's going to michigan state if we if we uh, follow the path of which one is most like a family that's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> the Panthers are hiring Frank Reich as their head coach. Frank Reich was 40, 33, and 1 with the Colts. He got fired this season. He had two playoff appearances in his four and a half seasons. Um, what are the Panthers trying to get by hiring Frank Reich? Maybe he can An play offense? quarterback. Was the, was their offense any good with Indy? Like he coached a lot of pretty good quarterbacks over the years. Maybe they don't have one. Maybe they're thinking they'll get a quarterback and he'll be the reason the guy plays well. Like that was the problem for the Colts is they they kept cycling through quarterbacks and they were never any good. So if your plan is Frank Reich's going to elevate some quarterback, we get he he didn't for four with four different quarterbacks. He didn't. I just I don't under, quite understand the the thinking behind what's going to work well. Well, the with big Frank thing Wright. yesterday was he's the offensive mind, and then uh, the was the interim Steve Wilkes, yeah, who actually did a decent job um, when he was there. Uh, they went six and was it six and six with him? They almost if they beat the Bucks in Week Seventeen, they would have had a and real he was shot a defensive guy, and you know of course Panthers took a lot of heat yesterday. You Not as, hiring the black as a general plan, if you're hiring a coach, you should always hire an offensive guy. That should, that should always be who you hire. Offense is the more important side of the ball. Offensive coaches tend to have more success than defensive coaches. Um, but hire somebody with more success than Frank Reich as a head coach. Like we just saw it and it didn't work. So I just, I don't quite understand Frank Reich. If you want to go offensive, I feel like there are better options than hey this guy who didn't really do much with the Colts and by the way in a weak division didn't really do much with the Colts for four and a half seasons what do you think made the playoffs a couple times a couple times and 
They made the playoffs a couple times. And? Yeah. <laughs> they made the playoffs a couple times. Uh, Jim Ursay wants to hire Jeff Saturday. This is from Josina Anderson. I'm told Jim Ursay still has desires to hire Jeff Saturday, but some who work with the owner or have his ear while feeling Saturday is a great person are not in favor of him as a head coach. He's a great Did you read where guy. Jim Ursay has barely sat in on the interviews? Oh, he's hiring Saturday. Yes. Yes. He's barely, they've interviewed like eight or nine guys. <sighs> I read a story yesterday. It's like Ursay, comma, who's yet to sit in on most of the interviews. Like, you bring in eight or nine guys, you're not even talking to them? So is this entire this entire process kind of a farce? Ursay's made up his mind, and his general manager is just begging him to not hire yeah. Jeff. That, like, that's the entire process. That's why it's taking so long. If their GM wasn't there, Ursay would have hired Jeff Saturday probably like in week 14 of the season. Just extended him. But because there's a GM, and I guess Jim Ursay probably has some um, respect for his GM... And his GM keeps telling him, don't do this. He's like, well, should I keep not bringing do it? people in? Yeah, keep interviewing people. And if you think somebody's better than Jeff Saturday, let me know. Yeah, like, the they're eight all guys I've interviewed. Jeff Saturday. The eight or nine guys I've interviewed. Bring back Frank Reich. He was better than Jeff Saturday. Phenomenal. And I'm I'm at a point now where I hope they just hire Jeff Saturday just for the hilarity of it. Just bring him back. At He's this got point. a signature oh, win. Just bring him back. Yeah. It'll be stupid. It'll be a failure. And It'll he be could funny. have that. He could double that signature win next year when That's the right. Raiders go to Indianapolis. God, that would be funny if it was like Josh McDaniels just can't figure out Jeff Saturday. <laughs> Do you know how funny it's going to be? Make that a national talking point. Yeah, if the Colts start the year like one and eight, fire Saturday, and the one win was over the Raiders. Oh. I don't think they're firing him. That's a good point. They'd have to go one sixteen. I I don't think they're firing him at all. I think it, he's going to have to be like the. Well, it's been fun coaching. I didn't really even want to do this, right. but <laughs> Ursay wouldn't leave me alone. They, so they start one and eight, and he quits. Just out of this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And the the two wins over two years are the Raiders. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Jeff Bezos may sell the Washington Post to buy the Washington Commanders. I wasn't sure from reading the story on Awful Announcing if this is to generate money to buy the Commanders, because I don't think he has to do that, or if there's some sort of conflict of interest in owning the Commanders and uh, the main and newspaper, the main in, newspaper in town. But I don't think it's a... I mean, with Jeff Bezos, is it liquid? Is it not having the capital to buy a football team? I can't imagine that. No. So I don't know why he would why he would sell the newspaper and why that would be related to buying the commanders. What's really can conf- Oh, go ahead. Dad. No, just the newspaper that owns a, like would the NFL have a rule in well, place to be like, you can't own the newspaper. Chicago they would- Tribune with the Cubs. No. Oh, yeah. That wouldn't make any sense. Like the NFL would want that. The NFL uh, would want you to own the newspaper and the NFL team. They'd be like, all right, good. You control all the stories <laughs> exactly. about us. Good job. We appreciate that. Well, what's what I find confusing is I've got, You've got that link in the rundown. The New York Post says Jeff Bezos may sell Washington Post to buy commanders. CNN, the Washington Post is not for sale, <laughs> Jeff Bezos says. <laughs> so I I feel like this is just somebody got bored on a Monday and went, man, I wish someone else owned this team. <laughs> what about Jeff Bezos? Happy to move He's on. He's out in space. The next question here, Aaron. Duquesne said they're going to have a safety review <laughs> the after kid. a kid walked onto the court with food 
pretending ah, to be so a good. delivery driver. Oh, how this cool was, was that? This is such an amazing story. So was it was great. a prank. It was not an actual delivery driver. TikTok prank. It was a kid shooting a video to prank whatever. Um, but Duquesne says they are reviewing their safety protocols for two reasons. One, <laughs> the kid walked on the court in the middle of the game. Well, well getting into the arena with food from an outside source and two being able to just walk straight onto the court while the game is going on at thomas and mac at unlv i think you could walk onto the oh, court no question yeah no question and yeah. yeah and apparently this kid he didn't I mean, even there'd get a, be like a duquesne there'd be a guard on you pretty quick right well but, no there wasn't a guard on this guy the ref had to shoo him off the floor well, so and then someone came on and, and let him off the floor. Eventually, if this kid yeah. had wanted to, he could have run. He could have done a suicide before somebody got play. there. Holding the coke and right. holding the uh, soda up top. Um, you can walk. You would be able to walk on a Thomas Mac. Yeah, someone would come get you, but you'd be able to walk on. I have more confidence that UNLV would eject the person that did that, unlike this kid who just got sent back to the seats to eat his food. Yeah, I think UNLV would actually eject the person who just wandered yeah. onto the field. Like what? What are we doing here? Well, that was actually going to be my next question: is if you showed up to UNLV, a UNLV game, just wearing breakaway pants, could you just like sort of walk on and get in line and start doing like start doing warm ups with the rest be, of the you team? You might be able to. Why is that five foot eight guy out there? You might be able to. Maybe I don't know how much. You... Oh, he's got an older brother. Because. If you're on the team going through warm-ups, here's the main question. I don't think anybody else would truly notice, right? Maybe somebody would be like, they got a new walk-on? But you'd really have to get it past the players. And so the question is, how much are the players paying attention to their teammates versus just their own shots in warm-ups? Also, the other issue is, is they do pretty specific drills after the layup. Like, they do a layup line, and then they do, like actual drills in warm-up so yeah, you get he'd get found out pretty you'd fast. have to know what the drills yeah, were otherwise you'd fast. be caught pretty quickly so you're saying we couldn't sneak mike grimala in there you could dress him up like a team manager that rebounds for the team during these drills they might not notice that you could i think a hundred percent do that and those poor guys that get away they think it. they have a relationship with the players. get away with it well no i while. think the players might be like who's that oh he's wearing the same polo right, so right. he must be a new guy yeah i i bet i mean they do have a relationship with those kids but i think they you could be like oh yeah just a new guy rebounding for you it's it's whatever no big deal next question arkansas baseball got rings for losing the college world series they lost the College World Series final to Ole Miss, and they still got rings for their team that say College World Series on them. Runner-up? Doesn't even say it. Just says just says the College World Pretty Series existed. Yeah, it just says College World Series 2022. Uh, I'm looking at the ring right now. You love this. You must love this as an Ole Miss guy. Would you want one of those? Uh, as I... someone who didn't play on the team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it'd be cool. I don't know. I don't. These are the things that people. It's like you and I was storming the court. Like people will absolutely rip this, and it doesn't matter to me at all. If they want to buy their kids rings, buy their kids rings. I don't care about stuff like that. I don't think if I was on the team, I would want it because I don't think I'd ever wear it. Well, would you? I mean, how many wear the championship? Oh, how many? I, how many wear? If I won the championship, you wear it around. How Ed, many really? I'd still be wearing people, it today. How many people really wear those things all the time? No, literally any. Yeah. If I'm going to the grocery store, okay, no. If I'm going out where I'm going to be seen by anybody, oh, I'm wearing the championship <laughs> ring. <laughs> Jeez. 
I mean, most of these guys, I mean, Super Bowl players, like, at certain events, I think, will wear the Super Bowl rings. Where they're going to be seen. They're not walking around on a daily basis. Well, yeah, I'm not going to wear it to the grocery store, but if I'm going anywhere to be seen, I'm wearing it. Okay, well, then you wouldn't wear this if you're an Arkansas kid? I don't think I'd wear the, hey, I didn't win the College World Series. Now, I will say, making the College World Series is a big deal in the sport. Yeah. So, I... No problem with actually. Well, I don't know if the they still or... do, but when you make the NCAA tournament, they used to give you the watch. Right. So, like, I I think I would want something that would go in my house. Like, I don't know, a plaque. What do people put in their house? But something that not <laughs> not a ring, but something that's like, hey, we made the College World Series. But I wouldn't wear the ring if I didn't win the championship ever. Tyler, you 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 grew up in the South. Do you did you ever see like the forty five year old still wearing the Letterman jacket? But I'm not talking about high school. I'm okay. talking about if I won the College World Series. Okay, that makes sense also. But what I'm saying is that was one of the weirder parts of living in like like the middle of nowhere, Missouri, is you'd be like, so you guys won the state championship in 83? <laughs> Still rocking that... Uh, that jacket? That jacket, huh? Life sort of peaked around 19, didn't it? And I'm fine with my life peaking at 22 if I won the College World Series, and I'm wearing the ring everywhere I go. Be great that way. All right, coming up next... Here on ESPN Las Vegas, UNLV takes on Nevada on Saturday. 38-33, Keyshawn Gilbert quickly the other way. And Keyshawn trying to go to the basket, just lost the ball. Now Colomario able to run down the lane for a dunk. And Keyshawn Gilbert just absolutely lost the basketball. And that turns into a dunk the other way, 40-33. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. UNLV hosts Nevada on Saturday. You can hear it right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Game starts at 7 o'clock. Nevada this year, they're 16-5. and five. They're coming off a double overtime win against New Mexico. They have a legitimate shot to go to the NCAA tournament. However, they have not beaten a top 100 team on the road this season. And believe it or not, UNLV is still a top 100 team by Nett and Ken Palm. They're 0-4. Oregon, Loyola, Marymount, San Diego State, and Boise State. All have beaten Nevada in when they when Nevada has been on the road. Um, does beating Nevada mean more than other games like it does in football? Mm. Not when you're ninth place or tenth place <laughs> in the league. No, I mean, well, that's exactly beating, what it should be. Beating more. anyone should should be good right now for them. They got to wheel me. They got to wheel the cannon out. Do you think they'll get it out <laughs> onto the floor? Maybe they do that at halftime. Normally, they have it in the concourse when they win, and you can go take a picture with it and all that. But I, I, they should. They should have when the when they run out on the red carpet before the game. They should have somebody wheel it out in front of the team. <laughs> oh man, that could be dangerous. It could be, but that's Some okay. Kid's tripping over the cannon and breaking his yeah, leg. Somebody, somebody else is running with the cannon. You got a little bit of a head start. It'll be okay. <laughs> It'll be okay. Hey, listen, Mississippi State. They have a live bulldog mascot. That bulldog runs out in front of the football team before games. Right. Now gets, right. you know, a nice... It runs from the football team. Gets a nice 30-yard head start. So you can do it with a cannon. Come on now. One time, the trainer with the bulldog tripped and fell face first into the ground, and they almost got caught by the football team. That was fun. But you can do it with a cannon. Come on. It's basketball court. It's pretty Must short. be a great trainer there. I can't get my bulldog to walk down the, down the uh, driveway. <laughs> <laughs> this bulldog's running out in front of a football team on cue. I want that trainer at my house in about two hours. So they play Nevada. I'll give you a little bit of a scouting report on Nevada or why UNLV might lose this game. 
UNLV's, or excuse me, Nevada's been very, very good offensively this season. In conference play, they're number two in offensive efficiency. Big problem, potential big problem for UNLV is that Nevada does not turn the ball over. They're 23rd in the entire country in turnover rate. Obviously, UNLV's defense lives off of turnovers. Hell, it's probably fair to say UNLV's offense lives off of turnovers. Um, so if Nevada takes care of the ball, like they have the majority of the season, could be an issue for UNLV. The other thing Nevada's very, very good at, they get a lot of free throws. They're top 25 in the country in uh, percentage of possessions that end in free throws. Uh, very, very good at getting to the free throw line. So maybe UNLV ends up in some foul trouble. Maybe UNLV doesn't cause enough turnovers. Those could be reasons they lose. One good sign, Nevada is uh, just about a below average three-point shooting team. 32.7% as a team so far this season. So it shouldn't be a team that comes in and shoots 44% from three, but it still could be because UNLV tends to uh, let everybody shoot 44%. From three. So if UNLV loses That's this nice game, of them. it's probably because Nevada's offense got the better of UNLV's defense. I mean, the bigs on Nevada would worry me. Wouldn't they worry you in terms of their bigs? So I'm fascinated to see how Kevin Kruger has his team defend Nevada because they their center, who's seven, like seven foot, foot, Will Baker, and their backup center. Both shoot pretty well from three. They're not like, oh, God, he's shooting 48%, but they're both above average three-point shooters, and they both shoot more than two a game. When you switch every screen, like UNLV initially did this season and up until the last game, you kind of take away any sort of pick and roll or, in this case, pick and pop action, right? right? You just switch the screen. Nobody's going to be wide open for a three or a roll to the basket. But UNLV changed their defensive scheme. They stopped switching when their center was involved in a ball screen, and they ran some drop coverage. They did a little bit of hedging as well. But when you do that, you're more susceptible to the big guy rolling to the basket, and in this case, the big guy popping Bopping and knocking for a three. down a three. So I'm curious how Kevin Kruger has his team defend ball screens with the center involved. And if I'm Nevada... The first five possessions of the game are just my center is setting a ball screen for who's ever dribbling the basketball at that time. And I want to see how UNLV defends it. And I want to see if I get an open three out of it or if they switch it. And now I've got Keyshawn Hall guarding my best perimeter player. Right. So curious how Kruger does because his original scheme is better suited to face Nevada than what they did in the last game but they're not good enough to run his original scheme because they keep getting torched every time they switch a ball screen with their center. So how do they handle that will probably be a big strategic point or part of this game that, Hey, if they leave the shooter, if they, here's what, if they drop coverage or hedge or whatever, they don't switch and Nevada gets a few threes out of their centers. UNLV probably loses the game because of that. But if they run those same coverages and Nevada centers just miss some threes in this one, UNLV might win the game simply because of that, them missing the shot. So curious to see what they do defensively because this What's is Ken a Palm have it as? fun matchup. Uh, it's a good question. I think they've got Nevada. I think it's a close to a toss up. I think it's Nevada by one at the moment okay. because it's at UNLV and Nevada's better, but not significantly better. Yeah. 71 70 Nevada is the projected score right. here. So UNLV at two and six in Mountain West play. Wait, are they going to fall back into last place if they lose? God, Wyoming's awful. They play Wyoming's next game is Fresno State, though. Mm. At home. In, in Laramie? In Laramie. Oh, they can win that one. Oh, yeah, Wyoming's win getting one. to two conference yes. wins. UNLV yeah. better win a game. Yep. Better pull one out here. 
Good news, Colorado State, who's also two and six, plays Boise State. So they'll okay. probably lose that they'll lose one. lose that game probably. Be a nice three-way tie for last place at two and seven if UNLV loses this game. Uh, get up a little higher in the seating there. So UNLV, Nevada on Saturday. Going to be, you think it'll be a good game? Oh, I think it'll be close. The, the good news for UNLV, I don't know if it's good news, but the silver lining for UNLV, most of these losses are pretty close. Yeah, cool. it's not it's not a team that is getting blown out by I the mean, top of the Mountain West. The Fresno State one was ugly. Boise and Boise. Here. Yeah, but Boise's had a few games where they have just blitzed some teams. You never thought in the second half they could score enough to catch San Diego State. It but it stayed was, like at a 9-10 yeah. level like most of the second half. But it's not. There's never. They haven't gone into a game this year where I thought they're losing by 10 or 15. Right. Every time they've gone into it, I've thought. They could win this. They got a legitimate shot to win this. And same thing here. And honestly, probably the same thing the rest of the season. I guess maybe going to San Diego State, maybe that'll be the one where you're like, yeah, that could get a little ugly. But for the most part, I don't think these are going to get out of hand. I think they're going to be fairly close in most of these games and still end up losing more than half of them because they're just not good enough offensively or defensively. But any single game they play, they can win, which I think is the uh, your hope when you get to the Mountain West tournament is, hey, any of these games, we can actually yes. pull out a victory. Any of these games, we could actually do it. Let, let me look at this. What would their path be right now? Their path in the Mountain West tournament looks like it would be Fresno State in the first round. They could win that one, right? And then Nevada in the second round. Could win that. And then Boise in the semi. All right. I mean, that's you're avoiding San Diego State to the final? As of now, because they would be, yeah, if you, uh, as long as you're not the 4-5, you're going to be on the other side of the bracket. Right. So don't get to the 4-5. Or, well, the 8-9 and the 4-5 avoid San Diego State. Right. So right now they're the they're the 10. So get to the, we're gonna, we might get to the end of the year and be saying, oh, they better avoid that 8-9 round. We might be saying they better lose and fall to the 10 seed. <laughs> Exactly. Avoid the 8-9 games so they don't have to play San Diego State. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Ken Bulky joins the show. You got to own it, right? It's part of the resume, I, and I get it, but, you know, you got to have the discipline to look past recency bias. You got to be able to look past um, the, the whatever you want to call Denver. Uh, but but the fact of the matter is, is that he got that to Denver, and he had that opportunity because of his life's work as an offensive coordinator and all the different things that he's done in this league and how much respect he's garnered throughout the league and all those different spots and all the people he's, uh, all the co- uh, players he's developed in his career. Text Granny and Bischoff at 69187 with the word ESPN. Joining us now here on ESPN Las Vegas is Ken Bulky from Vegas. Good morning, Ken. Ken. Hello. Uh, so, Bruce Cassidy finally gave somewhat of an update on Mark Stone, but he didn't seem to actually know. Do you think Bruce Cassidy got told initially what Mark Stone's timeline was and then never asked about him again? <laughs> no, I think he asked about him every single morning, and I, I just don't <laughs> think they have a good timeline, and that was uh, about as vaguely positive as you can get. So when they say, or when he says it's uh, you know after the All-Star break, we shouldn't assume that means the first game after the All-Star break. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's possible that, that it is the first game out of the All-Star break. That wouldn't be completely stunning to me. But no, I think after the All-Star break is, is more of a broad, well, not these next two games. We said earlier, we kind of, because Eichel has been such in the headlines and what's wrong with Eichel, what's wrong with Eichel, 
We've maybe even downplayed on the show Shea Theodore and didn't talk about him enough. He's supposed to expect to return tonight. How much have they missed him? Uh, they definitely miss his offense. They, they, they've been okay defensively. I don't think that they've been they've, – they've had a huge drop-off defensively, so I don't think that's going to make a big difference. And actually, Hutton was really good last game. He's probably the one who comes out of the lineup. It's possible it's Korzak. I don't think they've missed him that much on that end, but they definitely miss his ability to get the puck up. He springs like one or two nice little breaks every single game. I think that he can potentially bring that back to their game to, to get them more opportunities in transition. And then the, the big thing is probably just moving everybody else back down and make sure you don't need Haig on that top pair. Uh, possibly it's going to take a little bit of time off of Martinez. So, so that certainly helps. All right, here's an important question. Last game, Ben Hutton scores a goal. Ben Hutton has a goal line clearance to save a goal, but Ben Hutton also takes the penalty that leads the game winning goal for New Jersey in overtime. Did Ben Hutton go to bed that night happy or mad? Probably angry because he takes the penalty and that kind of supersedes all of it because you lose the game. But there's definitely an argument to be made that they got one point because of Ben Hutton. And it was more than that. Like the Ben Hutton hat trick also included like a bunch of good defensive plays. He was, he was getting the puck out of the zone pretty quickly. He was done. I couldn't remember a turnover that he made. So he'll probably be angry because that's what happened. I mean, look how mad Logan Thompson was at the end of that game. And he played great. <laughs> um, okay. The other question on defenseman I have, uh, Petrangelo's leading the team with a defenseman with five goals this year. Theodore hasn't played in a while, but he's got four and then nobody else has more than two. Is it as simple as to say that's just Bruce Cassidy? He doesn't have as many points from the sh- or shots from the point as Pete DeBoer did, and the defensemen under Bruce Cassidy are just not going to have big goal totals. Yep, definitely. I, I, I predicted it before the season started. I said I think they're going to have less than thirty uh, total goals from defensemen. They're a little bit past that on their pace. They might actually get there, but yeah, they just and, you, and you'll see it when you watch the games. You'll see that there's times where. Guys get the puck in the high slot, and they just do not take that shot. He doesn't want it there unless there's at least one Golden Knight in the way and probably two, and he needs them in good position. Otherwise, he wants the puck recycled, and he wants longer offensive zone time. And I think it's been okay. I don't don't necessarily think it's been a horrible thing, but they might want to think to shoot a little bit more. All right, you just mentioned him. How hard should Logan Thompson be on himself? Uh, over the course of the last game or over the course of the last <laughs> bunch of games? Bunch of games. Uh, pretty hard on himself. I don't think he's been all that great. I don't think he's been terrible. He's kind of been the guy that's back there. If they play good, he'll stop enough to get them the win. If they don't play good, he doesn't. And so recently they haven't been good enough, and that's why they've been losing a lot of games because he's not going to bail them out. The last game, though, he did bail them out a number of different times. He was tremendous last game, and then that's the game that he comes out and talks and says, I wasn't good enough, and says, I should have stopped two shots, but there's no way in heck he's going to stop. <laughs> uh, do you think you re-downloaded Twitter after the last game? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, he's coming back, right? He's coming back oh. to Twitter. Well, let's not sit here and act like deleting his Twitter account was actually him deleting his Twitter account. He just created a different account. He's out there. I'm sure he's tweeting with all of us all the time. (laughs) Okay. I thought it was interesting that Bruce Cassidy played him in both games of a back-to-back. We're in January. The Pacific Division is tight, but it's still January. It doesn't seem like it should be that urgent of a time. Um, is, Is he... 
that much better than Aiden Hill that it gives the Golden Knight an edge to play him on both nights of a back-to-back? Or was that just Cassidy reaching for, oh, he's my best goalie. I'm going to play him twice, even if Aiden Hill would have been a better option? To me, they're not that far off. There's obviously a pretty large stylistic difference there, but it doesn't seem to me like one guy is doing so much better that you have to have a starter and a backup. I don't, I think it's probably fair to say that Logan's better than Aiden and that therefore he can be the starter. I did not understand that decision to play them back to back at all. Like Aiden's been terrific against Arizona over the course of this season. He's used to play there. It's a bad team. You know, you're coming off of a win. I didn't understand that there was travel and they, the, the reasoning was basically that they want to get Logan in a rhythm well, then they go out to the East Coast. He plays the first game there, and now he's not playing tonight. He'll going tonight, according to Jesse Granger, who's in the building at Madison Square Garden right now. So I don't fully understand what they're doing with this rotation, and, and especially after Logan was so good last night. I don't think Hill's playing tomorrow, that's for sure. So on Logan Thompson and the Golden Knights' chances to uh, win the Cup, or maybe we should just say win the division, if he's just the goalie that's that's good enough, if the team's good enough, can they win the Stanley Cup with that, or is this team not going to be good enough? They're not good enough. If they, they don't, they're not better than the other team consistently enough against the good teams to get away with not having an elite goalie. And I, I just, I don't, I don't think it's Logan Thompson's fault that he's not an elite goalie at this point in his career. I just don't think he is at this moment. So no, I. I don't know that they even have a roster that they had an elite goalie that they're going to be able to win the cup. Like you have to have a hundred percent Mark Stone and they don't have that. Have you seen anything beyond the lack of scoring or that Eichel's coming out of it? Or is it wait till Stone gets back with him? Mm, he's been a little bit better the last couple of games. He's starting to drive the net a little bit more. I think the Arizona game, he got tripped like seven different times and there should have been a bunch of penalties called. That would have been a better game if they had actually called all the penalties. I, that was the biggest penalty fatigue game I've ever seen in my life. They're like, man, we've called so many. we we got to stop. So I think he's getting better, but I still, I just don't know that you're going to get the play that everybody kind of expects out of him, especially while Stone's gone. I just don't think it's there. Is the starting goalie for next season in game one a guy who deleted his Twitter account in season or a guy who owns a bunch of snakes? <laughs> I think it's Leonard. <laughs> I can't I wait. Really do. I, can't I think wait. he's going to come back in, and if he can play, he's probably going to be more consistent over the course of a training camp, over the course of a preseason and if he's anything close to healthy, he's better than Logan Thompson. I think he's going to get the job back because they're not going to be able to get rid of him. <laughs> the first scrum will be amazing. <laughs> it's going to be in great. In terms of the questions that might come out of that. How many snakes in total do you think he has? <laughs> oh, it's it's got to be north of 500. Oh, <laughs> but but they're, they're like they're not they're not like in his house anymore. I think they were at one point. All That's of the them? crazy thing. I don't know if it was all of them, but he bought some like super exotic ones from this guy who ended up getting murdered by his wife. It's a great story. And then the snakes started like multiplying, reproducing <laughs> out of control, and that's when he had to start looking for another place to put them. 
So I think there was a moment <laughs> where he had some basement of a ton of snakes. I don't know if that's for sure true, but that's what it sounded like. I think he put them in Stone's backyard. <laughs> he just imported well, he them. put some there. <laughs> Is that the best story Vegas has ever had? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's 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 just it's so it had so many layers, and there's also another layer that we don't fully have yet. Apparently, not like it's it's not all of the the debt is on the snake farm. He also owns a solar company, and there's some issue with the solar company not paying employees and not paying for the things they purchased, or something along those lines. It's it's way deeper than just the snakes, but snakes dude gets murdered by his wife uh evander kane's guy got him the loan like there's a lot going on there so you're telling me the guy that knocks on my door trying to get me to buy solar panels is from robin leonard's company <laughs> and he might not have gotten he paid for that be, he might not get paid did he introduce himself as rl solar i do not remember i do not That's know the name of the company <laughs> I'll have to pay attention the next time they come knocking. <laughs> I'll tip him for not buying. Not <laughs> buying exactly I'll tip him. If you go on their website, it actually says owned by a prominent sports figure. <sighs> this is good. This is good. This is uh, very good. And I can't wait for him to start game one of next season. He's Ken Volke of Sinbin.Vegas. Ken, thanks for Thank joining us. Thank you, Ken. Us. See ya. Oh. Oh, it's so great. God, when he starts game one this year. I just, can we get rubber snakes if... If he if he has a shutout, we throw rubber snakes <laughs> on the ice. That would be beautiful. Would he like that? I feel like that might be a sore spot for him. Well, a lot of things are a sore spot that's for him. That's true. That's true. I feel like that's something the other team would do. I I just want to <laughs> know. I mean, I'm not a snake guy. They they freak me out. So having that many in your house <laughs> as they continue to reproduce and you just come out the next morning, there's like a hundred more. I mean, can you imagine that? And he went to Mark Stone's house and just dropped five off. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, I dug these up out here. I don't know how they got here. <laughs> he had them in his jacket and the little inside when everyone pocket. Is, when everyone is inside eating, he's like digging little holes and shoving them in there. <sighs> Mark, Mark, they're not poisonous. They're vim- venomous. <laughs> poisonous means that if you ate it, it would get you sick. These, if they bite you, <laughs> get you sick. All right, we got tickets to give away to go to the East-West Shrine Bowl on Thursday, February 2nd at Allegiant Stadium. You'll win two tickets right now, plus you'll be qualified for a shot at two club-level VIP seats with food and drink. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. You'll win two tickets right now to the East-West Shrine Bowl. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number six at 702-364-1100. strange is it to think? But if I were to start a franchise right now, I'd rather have Brock Purdy be my quarterback than Dak Prescott. And that sounds totally, absolutely insane, but that's the way I feel. In eight NFL games, Brock Purdy has not fumbled the ball, and he's only thrown three picks. He is the perfect quarterback for a team that has a defense like the San Francisco 49ers. Graney and Bischoff are back on the press box. Hey, that was kind of like my take yesterday to uh, just always have a rookie quarterback and never pay any of them. Just always draft and keep drafting. That's basically what you would do. You would dump Dak Prescott and draft to Brock Purdy. Presumably you draft him before the last pick of the draft, but maybe that works out sometimes. Um, congratulations to Jimmy 
He won tickets to the East-West Shrine Bowl. Coming up later in the show, we'll have tickets to go see Luke Bryan to give away. Um, I got two soccer stories. The first one here is that in 2024, the United States is going to host Copa America. Copa America is the South American tournament. So this is Argentina, Brazil, and all of those countries play basically their version of the Gold Cup. But it's going to be here in the United States. It's going to be the 10 South American countries and then six North American countries. So the United States will presumably be one of those six. We'll get to play Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Uruguay, some combination of that. It'll be a really fun tournament in 2024. It's not going to be the Legion. Uh, probably not, even though I hope that it would be. But yeah, right. I'm guessing we will not be hosting that because uh, that stadium is not great hey. for soccer. It's genuinely always awesome that you're like, yeah, I'd really like it here to be convenient. I won't enjoy it when it's happening because it's not a great venue is, for soccer. It's, it's just not, not good for that. But it'll be fun. We will uh, get to play in a very good tournament as opposed to the CONCACAF Gold Cup, which, by the way, is this summer, which is uh, less good, less prestigious. But the real soccer story I wanted to get to for you. Less good. Juventus. <laughs> that's how you. That's the official slogan of CONCACAF. Less good. Juventus in Syria in Italy had a 15-point deduction in the table, uh, which means they fell from third place in Syria to 10th place in Syria. They have uh, apparently been doing a few things financially questionable. They have been misreporting their transfer fees, um, and they also paid players under the table so they wouldn't have to report that money being spent by the team. Well, no wonder this guy has to play in a luchador mask for this other league. He's not officially on the team. That's Spain, (laughs) different country. So basically, to, to try to... I don't even fully understand exactly what happened here, but to try to sum this up... In European soccer, they 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 try to have like this financial fair play thing where you can only spend as much money as you generate because they're like, yeah, we don't want really rich people buying teams and just, you know, taking a loss, but making the teams unbeatable. So it's like, hey, however much revenue you generate, that's how much money you can spend on players, whatever. I believe Juventus has been trying to skirt that rule with some questionable accounting practices, but the the best detail is that they told their players, we're not going to pay you officially for about 25% of your salary, but we're still going to pay it to you under the table. So we're not going to report it. You're still going to get paid, but we're not going to report it. And the players just went along with it and said, yeah, that sounds good. I'm getting my money. I'm getting my money. If I'm playing for a team who's (laughs) like, hey... As long as the if, check's clear, yeah, exactly, exactly. if our boss came in and said, all right, the direct deposit you got set up, that's not going to hit this month, but don't worry. I got the cash for you a couple days later. That's uh, hey, you could find cash. <laughs> the, the, the wife the, would line up for that. There are no taxes <laughs> exactly. on cash that you found me? on the floor. She'd be like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'd be looking for a new job the second they said that. I'm like, well, we're not going to make it the rest of the year. What are you talking about? It's great. So that's apparently what Juventus was doing. Uh, they're still being investigated uh, for potentially more things that they've done. So they could end up getting a bigger point reduction. They could end up get players could end up getting banned or suspended. Uh, they, I love in, in Europe they use the word banned instead of suspended. It's a much better word. When you get suspended for a game, you're banned for a game. Much better word. Um, Cannot enter the stadium. They also 
could be relegated again because back in 2006, Juventus got relegated to Serie B for being involved in a match-fixing scandal. So there's a chance. It doesn't appear likely that they'll get relegated, but there's a chance that one of the biggest teams in Italy could be relegated twice in 15, 16 years for nothing about their on-field play, for just breaking the rules. Can't interested about these Juventus people. <laughs> I mean, it's not a heady play, I guess. Like, it's not. If you, as long as you don't get caught, that's their problem. But they keep getting they're caught. Yeah, that's the problem. They're, they're, they're not good at crime. I was going to say they're interesting. They're not very smart. Right. Well, maybe they've been doing a whole lot of other rule breaking in the last fifteen years. That nobody and, knows about. They just did fine. They just done so much that getting caught twice in fifteen years actually isn't that much. They've been doing hundreds of things. They're like, ah, oh, they didn't find out about this. <laughs> this definitely reminds me of like the family member that's just like, how is this guy not in jail already? <laughs> uh, the uh, Juventus, by the way, is whatever the equivalent is of a publicly traded company in the U.S. That's what Juventus is in Italy. So there's more than just the FIFA side of this. Like they were, they were, they their headquarters were like raided by police. Oh, that's great. And people were like taken out of the building and all this because they're publicly traded and and misreporting or not reporting is this Juventus show. illegal. That's I don't know, but it's fun. One of their players is American, Weston McKinney. He's he appar- money. He's apparently one of the guys who agreed to not get paid officially, but take the money under the table. Uh, well, but, yeah. we've all had summer jobs where we've had to where we got paid cash. That's how <laughs> that's how lawn mowing works. So he probably is just like, yeah, this is fine. But he is likely leaving Juventus to join Leeds United in the Premier League in the next couple of days. Uh, Which, by the way, if he does, Leeds United would then have an American manager and three of America's best players, Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, and Weston McKinney, 